Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 22 of Genesis chapter 7, and we're beginning in verse 21. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. Well, here God is strongly emphasizing, strongly driving home the final judgment, the flood pictures, the judgment that comes at the end of the world. And in these verses, the Lord is showing that it will be the end of mankind, the end of the creation. All will be wiped out. And we can see this with the language that's used in these verses, beginning in verse 21. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. Well, we see that five groups are listed, five categories. Uh, There is... Fowl, cattle, beast, creeping thing, and man. And that goes along with the focus of the atonement that we saw with the water rising 15 cubits upward above the highest mountains. And we saw that 15 cubits is three times five, three pointing to the purpose of God, and five, the atonement. Likewise, in verse 24, The waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days, which is 3 times 5 times 10. Again, the number 5 due to the atonement. The unsaved are offering up, they're offering the sacrifice of themselves to atone for their own sins. And so, as God is describing the destruction of everything living, everything with the breath of life, he picks out five particular groups. Fowl, cattle, beast, creeping things, and man. And the main target is mankind. Man is the rebel. Mankind has sinned against him, transgressed his law. It's due to man's sin that the entire creation became cursed as a result. So uh, even the unsaved animals are typifying the wrath of God upon sinful mankind. And, And so five pointing to the atonement. Judgment Day is a time for atonement for sin. Of course, the 
great insurmountable difficulty that uh, the unsafe people of the earth have in the day of judgment when they are themselves the sacrifice offered up for their own sin is that they cannot overcome the penalty, which is death. They cannot arise through it or rise from the dead afterward. They possess no such ability. They have no power in the day of death. And that will mean that when they do die, they will be gone forevermore. So the annihilation of the wicked is in view as we read uh, these scriptures in Genesis 7, as the Lord is closing out the five months period when the waters are rising and, and his word is victorious over the inhabitants of the earth. We also read all flesh died. The Hebrew word translated as died is 1478. It's uh, not the typical word for died. The usual word or the typical word is used in verse 22 of this chapter. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. That's the same English word, but a different Hebrew word. And it's one of the reasons why we we need to check every word in the concordance and in the original Hebrew and Greek because we can't discern uh, we can't tell the difference in the English language, but they're different words. The word in verse 22 is the typical word. It's the word that we find back um, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2, verse 17. In the day you eat the of you will surely die. It's the typical word found throughout the entire Old Testament. But the first word, 1478, is a word that is translated as died in a few places, but it's also translated as gave up the ghost. In Genesis 35, verse 29, it says, And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. So the word died in Genesis thirty-five twenty-nine is the word that's found in verse 22, of all that was in a dry land died. But gave up the ghost is the word that's found in verse 21. All flesh died. We we could read that. All flesh gave up the ghost that moved upon the face of the earth. And, and so, since God uses both words to describe Isaac's death, Isaac gave up the ghost and died, it indicates its sort of underlying death in every possible way, that this is the end. Um, of course, uh, the wonderful thing about Isaac's death is that he, he died physically, but he was a saved man, so at the point of his death, uh, he went to be with the Lord. His soul went up into heaven. But as far as his life on earth, his physical body died, and and, and that was it. That was it for his physical body. It's in the ground waiting for the resurrection. Maybe a better place to look at this word gave up the ghost is in Job 14. Job chapter 14 in verse 10. It says, But man dieth and wasteth away, 
man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? And once again in, in this verse, we have the two Hebrew words. Uh, man dieth, 4191, and wasteth away, yea, man giveth up the ghost. That's the other word that's in verse 21. Then God asks the question, and where is he? Because once man dies, he'll cease to exist, and the very day he does die, his thoughts perish. He uh, and, and it's all pointing to the final judgment upon mankind, which comes at the completion of Judgment Day. We're in the process now. We're in the spiritual part of the final judgment, but there will come the finality or the conclusion of the prolonged period of judgment, and at the end will be the literal destruction, a literal annihilation of the entire creation and all of the wicked that are on the earth, including all the bodies of the wicked that have ever lived and and yet They've died and their bodies are in, in the ground um, in some form or another. God will destroy the wicked with the creation, just as he points out in Isaiah 51, verse 6. And so the emphasis in these verses is the death of man, the death of the cursed creation, and its complete annihilation. That's why it goes on to say in verse 23 of Genesis 7, And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. Twice the Lord uses the word destroyed in verse 23. And um, since we mention God listed five groups of living things in verse 21. In verse 23, he only lists four. He he leaves one out, and that's because he is uh, pointing to the universal aspect of the judgment or of the destruction. It's worldwide, and um, it, it includes man and the creatures, or man and the creation. And the final judgment will indeed be the utter destruction of all unsaved mankind and the creation, the entire universe that has been subjected to vanity or came under the curse of God because um, a cursed man uh, who had dominion over the creation could not rule over a perfect creation Therefore, God brought the curse upon the entire creation. And and now, uh, with the destruction of the animals that are outside of the ark, the Lord is indicating this is the end of the creation, as well as the end of the rebel sinners, the people that have offended and transgressed his laws. And so he says that every living substance was destroyed. And, and then he repeats it. And they were destroyed from the earth. 
the Hebrew word translated as destroyed is also not the typical word for the destroyed. This Hebrew word, which is 4229 in Strong's Concordance, um, is better translated as we find in Deuteronomy 29, verse 20. It says, Jehovah will not spare him, but then the anger of Jehovah and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and Jehovah shall blot out his name from under heaven. The words blot out are a translation of the same Hebrew word translated as destroyed. And that's the usual translation for this particular Hebrew word. In Psalm 9, it says in verse 5, Thou hast rebuked the heathen, Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. The Hebrew word 4229 is put out. Thou hast destroyed their name forever and ever. Put out their name or blot out the name of the wicked. It's the same word as in Exodus 32, verse 33. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. So, repeatedly, this is the way that that word should be translated. And, of course, um, to have the name blotted out of the book is uh, indicating the book of life from a creation standpoint. Uh, as it says in Psalm 69, verse 28, Let them be blotted out. There's our word again. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Now, when we read of someone's name being blotted out of the book of the living, it can only refer to the book of life from the perspective or the vantage point of creation. Before Adam's sin, God created Adam good, and therefore Adam was in the book of life. And all who were in Adam's loins, all mankind, were likewise included in the book of life. But once Adam sinned, then what did God say? In the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. And and so Adam lost his place in the book of life. All that were in Adam, he was our figurehead, we were in his loins, likewise became contaminated with sin. And from that point, you cannot bring a clean out of an unclean. And that's why the Bible says that we're conceived in sin, born speaking lies, and, and, and we have our own sin, which results in every human being who was written in the book of life from the creation standpoint being blotted out due to our sin. And, 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 and so God blotted out all of the people from the book of life. And and 
to, to blot out, uh, we use whiteout today, and and you make a mistake when you're writing, or when you've typed something out and and uh, in the form you have to fill out, and you get out the whiteout, and it actually has a little blotter, and and you blot over the sentence, and you wait for it to dry, and then you can write over it again. You cannot read what was originally written. Well, that's the idea. It's as though God recorded all the names of mankind in the book of life. Well, let's say that's Adam's book of life from the creation standpoint. Then man sin and God blots it out. This is all figurative language. There is no actual book and God is not actually blotting out. But he, he doesn't have need for those kinds of things like we have need to write things down to remember. He has perfect remembrance. And, but, but it is describing to us in language that we can understand what has happened spiritually because of our sin. We would have lived, but we sin. Therefore, we no longer are going to live, but we're subject to death. The wages of sin is death, and we lose our place in the book of life. But there's another book. There's another book, and it's the Lamb's book of life. It's the book that records the names of all the elect predestinated to salvation before the foundation of the world. These are the names of everyone whose sins were cast upon the Lord Jesus, and and then Christ paid for them, he atoned for them, and thereby uh, their names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Now, that there is more than one book, we read in Revelation 20, in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. So, in the day of judgment, and it's as it has been throughout history, when a man would die, uh, they're standing before God. And, uh, and so this person has died, and the first thing God wants to find out is do they have any uh, justification for life? So God checks the book of life that's written from the creation standpoint, Adam's book of life, and he finds no names because all the names that were once recorded have been blotted out due to man's sin. So the sinner who just died or in the day of judgment, as judgment day began, is not found in the book of life from the creation standpoint, so God goes to the next book, the Lamb's book of life that records all the names of the elect. And he does a thorough, complete search of the multitude of names, only a remnant out of the whole of mankind, though. And God does not find this individual's name written there either. Therefore, They have no justification for life. They are now subject to death, the second death, and destruction. And and as God carries out that legal search, that, that legal 
searching of the books with every person so that no one can ever say it was unjust, that God has condemned them and finally destroys them. In Psalm 69, verse 28, let them be blotted out of the book of the living, from the creation standpoint, and not be written with the righteous. So the uh, the terrible judgment for a sinner is, first of all, he loses his standing of original righteousness in Adam and life, and then it, it is um, found or or it is determined by God as God, based on his own good pleasure, determined to save some. Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. And and so, in Jacob's case, God records his name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but in Esau's case, the Lord does not. So, Esau is blotted out of the Book of the Living from the creation standpoint, and his name was not written with the righteous in the Lamb's Book of Life. And and that's uh, the grievous situation with Esau and all that are descendants in a spiritual way of Esau. They are not saved by God, and therefore they will have their names blotted out. And that's the point here in Genesis 7, verse 23. Every living substance was blotted out, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were blotted out from the earth. We can see again, annihilation, complete uh, punishment. This is it. Uh, it's judgment day, and you're not found. Your record is not included in the books. Uh, you have no standing of life of any kind. And, and that's the reason why they're outside of the ark and why they drown and why they will cease to exist forevermore. They will perish. This is describing the death, the final death of all that have rebelled against God and of the creation itself that, that is typified by the animals. Well, it goes on to say after God makes this very heavy Emphasis upon dying and destruction and being blotted out. It goes on to say they were destroyed or blotted out from the earth and Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. That last part of verse 23 is almost as an afterthought. God's uh, key figure, the central focus, is on Noah because he's a type of and figure of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the righteous one, but by the obedience or righteousness of one, many are made righteous. Many are saved, all because of Christ. And so, because Noah remained alive, so they that were with him. Just as we read earlier, uh, God focused on Noah entering the ark, and and then they that went with him. It's the same idea here. Uh, the seven souls with Noah are a figure of the elect, the complete elect, the perfection of all the elect. And Noah 
remains alive. It's like Christ is the seed singular, but we're the seed in him, with him. And, and that's the picture here. Noah only remained alive. Now, that sounds familiar. It should sound familiar to us that he remained. Noah remained. And we could say that the eight souls remained alive. The word alive is italicized, but it, it definitely um, is that idea that, that they remain not only alive, but they remained where? On the earth. The, the significance is that Noah and those with him remained alive on the earth in the time of judgment. That's the clear implication. It's the certain significance of what's being said here. And it should sound very familiar to us because the Hebrew word translated as remained, 7604 in the concordance, is the same word we find in Isaiah chapter 24 in verse 6. And Isaiah 24 is that chapter with the uh, focus in verse after verse on the judgment of the earth, the final judgment of the world. And it says in verse 6, Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. That verse is accurately describing the condition of the world of Noah's day, except it speaks of burning rather than drowning. But everything else is applicable to the world of Noah's day. The curse devoured the earth. That's exactly why the world was faced with the deluge, because of the curse. The curse is that which comes upon man due to their sin. And they that dwell therein are desolate. The the people of the earth were made desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned. Or, in the case of the flood, they were all drowned. The important thing is they came under the judgment of God. Every statement would apply to the situation of the time of Noah and the flood. And it says in the last part of Isaiah 24, verse 6, after telling us the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. And the word left is 7604. It's the same word translated as remain. Few men remain, just as Noah and his family remained alive. They were alive on the earth. Going through the flood, well, that's the identical picture in Isaiah 24, 6. The inhabitants of the earth are burned, but few men remain. And few relate to the elect. Many are called, few are chosen, few are electos. Few are God's people whose names were not blotted out, but whose names were recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And once you have your name recorded in the Lamb's book of life, it can never be blotted out of that book. It's an impossibility, because you receive eternal life. Now, this goes along with First Thessalonians 4, 
verse 15 and 17, which says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. It's repeated in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Alive and remain. Now why does God say that twice? Why didn't he say, then we which are alive shall be caught up together? It would, it would prove sufficient. It, it would tell us everything we need to know. Uh, these souls are not the ones in the ground or these elect. They're alive. That, that, that would be all the Lord have to say. But twice he says they're alive and remain because it's the identical teaching of Noah remaining and all with him in the ark. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.